Is your outsourced development team dropping the ball? Maybe you've worked with a team that just couldn't grasp your vision and needed constant oversight because they weren't thinking strategically. Or maybe you ended up wasting hours micromanaging, often needing to jump on late night calls across massive time zone differences to get alignment. And in the end, they delivered a sluggish app with a frustrating UI that didn't come close to the solution you had envisioned. If any of that sounds familiar, you need to reach out to our sponsor, DevSquad. DevSquad provides an entire development team packed with top talent from Latin America. Your elite squad will include between two to six full stack developers, a technical product manager, plus specialists in product strategy, UI UX design, DevOps, and QA, all working together to make your SaaS product a success. You can ramp up an entire product team fast in your time zone, and at rates 75% cheaper than a comparable US-based team. And with DevSquad, you pay month to month with no long-term contracts. Get the committed, responsive development team that your business deserves. Visit devsquad.com slash startups and get 10% off for the first three months of your engagement. That's devsquad.com slash startups. You guessed it. You're listening to Startups for the Rest of Us. I'm your host, Rob Walling. And in this episode, I sit down with Noah Kagan. He has launched, I forget the number, I think he says it in the interview, but five, seven-figure companies, it might be six, it's a lot. And he has written a book called The Million Dollar Weekend. The book is available now in all formats. Head to milliondollarweekend.com if you want to learn more. Before we dive into that, tickets for MicroConf US in Atlanta next April 2024 are on sale. This event will sell out if you're thinking about coming to Atlanta April 21st through the 23rd to see me co-host this event with Leanna Patch and to see speakers like myself, Rand Fishkin, and several others, head to microconf.com slash US to grab your ticket before they sell out. We had an amazing event just a few months ago in Denver, and I expect the event in Atlanta to be no different. So microconf.com slash US to grab your ticket today. And with that, let's dive right into my conversation with Noah. We're actually going to join it mid-conversation. He and I had been chatting for, I don't know, four or five minutes, and I realized it was good content. So I just hit record and we rolled right into it. Yeah, we can talk about that. I don't think people give enough thought to like good decisions over long periods of time. Yeah. You know, good, consistent, like you can make a good decision once, but then if you have to do that in competitive landscapes over 10, 10 year periods or longer, that's challenging, man. That's, it's tough. There's this quote from Steve Martin where he used to go see comedians. He has a great book called Life Standing Up, Born Standing it's Up. It's so good. And so good. yeah, love it. And his the favorite, my favorite quote from there is, it's easy to be great, it's hard to be consistent. Because he would come and see a comedian just blow the doors off one night. And then, you know, next month they would just bomb for the next month. And he was like, the hard part was getting good enough that he could consistently be amazing. And I think that's what you're talking about, right? Well, that's what we were doing with, you know, with, with sumo.com even, right? Like that, that went from zero to six million, six and a half million ARR in maybe two years or three years. Super quick. Was it just email capture? Yeah. So the original idea, the the original premise was AppSumo.com has no MRR, AR stuff. We want to try to have something recurring. What What have we built for ourselves that we can sell to others? And so the original vision for my partner, Chad, his idea was we should build a, like the WordPress plugin store for websites. So you can put in one plugin and you can have all the marketing tools you'll need. And then the idea was, can we launch tools within two to four weeks? 
and we launched like a highlighter tool. We basically try to go to the, any of the largest businesses. And I think this is kind of a good way to do business today. It's like, what are you spending a lot of money on? Can you automate that or create software on it? So we went to like New York Times and all these giant websites and they had these different features, like a highlighter and then email collection. And we're like, huh, we're doing a lot of email collection. And then we launched the pop-up called the, uh, Email Capture and it just exploded. It was just, uh, the demand was so easy at that time. I remember this. This was back when Drip was just email capture, right? Drip was the first. All it was was an email capture widget and autoresponders. And then we, that was 2013. And it wasn't until 2014 that we actually became any, like a competitor to MailChimp. And Sumo was around that time, wasn't it? Yeah, it was yeah. Sumo Me. And then we bought the domain after seven years for a million and a half. And then we launched so many different things. We had like a heat map. And then we had uh, scroll boxes, and then we had, you know, I don't know, a lot of different analytics around the, the, the plugin. And it's kind of interesting in business. I think what ends up happening in most businesses, they try all these new things, and then over time they're like, oh, I should just do the thing that people really wanted me for. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, it's like, you do all these things, and really at the end of the day it was like, just capture emails for small businesses or solopreneurs. And, you know, I, MailMunch kicked our ass with that, because they were 20 bucks and, and uh, OptiMonster. And they did WordPress, and then we got as you were talking about your business, we got our asses kicked because we try to then do mid-market, then we try to do e-commerce. I think it's really hard to stay consistent and just do the thing well that that's working. And that's something I've definitely learned over, I guess now, 15, 20 years of startups. Yeah, I have too. Tell me about sumo.com. You said, I had no idea you sold it. Is that public info? It's not public yet. Okay. Uh, We just closed... When do we close? Uh, maybe two weeks ago. But this, this podcast, by the time it comes out, I, I'm, I'm, I think it'll be public. Man, it's such a... I was really disappointed in myself, and I was really sad just how badly I ruined it. What happened? Well, first, we, we when you get a product that works, you know. People are like, how do you know if you have product market fit? You know. You don't have to ask people to buy. 100%. You don't need to send a survey out about how... Would you be not wanting to... You see the graphs. I've been there, dude. You're like, yeah, this is people, a rocket ship. People are excited to pay you for a problem that you can clearly demonstrate value. Now, we launched the product, and then things just worked, right? And, and I think one of the key things that, that helped it work is that the first year, we were just free. So we just had this insane install base. So then we said, hey, pay 20 bucks a month. It, it just crushed. I remember that. You had your JavaScript snippet on like hundreds Every of thousands site. of sites, I thought. It was crazy. Yeah. It was about a billion users a year so far is what we ended up getting it across the websites. But what, what the mistake, I think the learnings for others, which is fascinating, was deviating from who our core customer is. That's like probably the, the number one mistake we made, which was we got to the six and a half million and then you're like, well, I got to get bigger. And it's like, Why? Because that's what you're supposed to do. And so then we like raise the prices from 20 bucks a month to 100 to 500 to thousands because then we went up market. Mm-hmm. And then we're like, well, Shopify is getting bigger. Let's go over there. We can go help these customers. And really like AppSumo.com and our core customers, a solopreneur, that's probably more of a blogger, an agency, a marketer. They're not actually, we're not e-commerce people. We're not like, that's not our, our customer base. And so ultimately, if we just would have stayed on that price point and that customer, could be a $20 million ARR, maybe more in that space. And so I think that was one. And then secondly, me and my partners had disagreement and visions. And my my approach to that or my response to that was to run away like a little bee. You know, I, I just ran away from it versus, hey, let's agree on what we really want to do here. And so I, I call it the seagull theory. I basically was like, he wanted to go mid-market and e-com. And I was like, I just like affordable products. That's why we have AppSumo.com. I like good good deals. $20 a month, good price. And we just disagreed on it. We could not get to the same page. So I ran away and built SendFox and some other tools. But I did this seagull theory 
or seagull mentality where I just kind of flew over, over their team and I on them and complained about things and then flew away. And we all do that. And it's more, how do you get aligned with your visions? And then how do you actually be, are you here to help or complain? If you're complaining, just sit the f- out. Uh, ideally, if you're going to go be a part of it, go be a part of the solution. So that's definitely been something to, to what's the heart, you know, there's a, there's a quote I like, which is like, what's the thing unsaid and say that and then work through those things. And so did the business decline? You sold it. Like, was it kind of like we got it? We're just going to walk away. Like, did it decline? Oh, dude. So we, we peaked at six and a half million. We, and we were getting offers, like, I think around 30 million. I think we got out like a $30 million offer. And I was like, that would have been real nice. I would love to fly private. And my goal is by 50 to only fly private if I can, God willing. And, uh, it just started declining and you just, I'm sure other people who have companies feel this way. Like you just, we tried everything. You know, you're like, okay, try to optimize pricing more, call all these customers. And because we were competing against so many bases, like so many different competitors, we were just losing against all of them because they were better at either better at WordPress, better at mid-market, or better over at Shopify and e-commerce. So what we ended up doing was skeleton crew that software and just let it cash out over the next probably five years because it was still doing, what it was doing is like two or three million a year and declining over years and so only until recently, like we saw that the revenue to the server cost was kind of getting close enough that we're like, mm, it's becoming a liability and maybe someone can do something with this. So it was an interesting experience selling it because it kind of makes you face your mistakes. And I do think it's interesting. What are people's intentions? Like, is because like I didn't build AppSumo to sell it. I didn't build AppSumo to go public. I don't need that ego. I don't need, I don't want that money. I want to have a cool job. That's it. And with Sumo, I, I think it was more, just disappointing, really. Yeah, you can tell. I'm, I'm like, ah, it's so frustrating. I know all of us have felt that. And so we went out to different brokers. The selling process is really interesting. There's a lot of different types of buyers. There's like these vulture buyers who are just like, actually really savvy, frankly. They're really savvy. And they're, they're, yeah, they're totally value there's, buyers. There's value yeah. buyers. And it takes a long time to sell. I thought you see these, you know, these articles or tweets. Yeah, I sold my thing two minutes, da da da. You know, on Acquire.com or through Quiet Light Brokerage. It's not, it doesn't happen that way. So you put out a prospectus. You have to get your finances actually really up to date, which we didn't do because we haven't really touched that business in probably five years, which was nice to cash out. But I'd say the bigger takeaway was how do you actually find more someone more strategic? Uh, so we were able to find. I don't. I don't know if they want to be public yet, but it, a, a, kind of like a Wix WordPress.com business that's doing really well and they wanted email marketing and marketing tools and what was really impressive about these guys and maybe by the time they want to be public with it they're very patient they're like yeah we've been doing our SaaS business for 20 years and like we are okay if this takes another 20 years for it to get sumo sumo me is what it's called uh back up and then the strategic bot yeah they were willing to pay i think it was around 1x arr for the business okay and it was a declining, basically flatlined business at the time. It's still declining. It's declining, give or take one to three percent a month. Uh, so I think we're, I don't know, I want to share their number. Now it's their numbers, but yeah, it was declining. So we, it was a seven-figure sale, which to me was an, it was just sad. It was just sad. It's like you know the promise of what it what it was, what it could have been, and ideally we learn from those mistakes. But it's still, you know, it still hurts. It does. It feels like almost snatching defeat from the jaws of victory in a way because. When you launched, I remember how many people had that JavaScript installed. And I thought, because we were tangentially competitive with Drip, right? Because we were an email capture widget as well. But then we pivoted into becoming a full-blown email marketing provider. But I remember being like, this 
he's going to do it. This is great. There's no way he can't be successful with this. And it, in fact, you were successful with it because six and a half million, $30 million offers is like amazing. It's like what everybody would dream about, but it's harder than people think, even with momentum, even with good people, even with a smart founder, it's hard to run a tech company for 10 or 20 years and not just ride it over the top. Yeah, I think it's that and being patient with the plateaus. You know, you everyone hits plateaus. Like at AppSumo, AppSumo.com, another product market fit. And, and to be clear, I've done a lot of business that did not work. Like with, with AppSumo, we build, we call them the originals. And I was telling you, tidycal.com, our uh, calendar, Calendly alternative is crushing. It's like 5x growth this year. And that's one of about 10 products that we've launched on the original team. Shorty SMS fail, email badge fail, meet fam fail, sumo market fail, like all these different things that did not work. And, and that's part of the business is that you got to keep experimenting. But AppSumo, my point that I was saying with sumo.com, we launched 300,000 first year, second year, 3 million, third year, 4 million. And then it was basically three to 5 million for the next three years. And then this year, it'll be around 80 million. 13, 13 years later. And th- there's there's numerous facets to that. But I think the big takeaway for others, like make sure people super want what you have. Stick with your customer. So whoever the customer is, just stick with them and if, understand them. And I would say with Sumo.com, for others, what was interesting, what, how we grew so fast. One, we, you know we bought a lo- lot of WordPress plugins? I did know that. That was kind of like probably one of our, our biggest hacks because you could buy it. At, so the, the idea is buy a WordPress plugin and then promote Sumo. But the, the takeaway there is, What's something that others aren't doing that's cheap or unexploited that you can take advantage of to get distribution to your ideal customer base? That was probably like the biggest one. And then, you know, personally reaching out what you did, what ConvertKit did. We'd go to Tim, we'd go to Pat Flynn and be like, we'll do everything for you. You don't have to do anything, which became, it's kind of a little bit of the norm now in some of the SaaS. Yeah, but it was novel 10 years ago, right? And I think, what was the other thing you did? You, with AppSumo specific, I remember you sponsoring email newsletters before there were really sponsors of email newsletters. That was a, right? I mean, I remember you being in some random newsletter and someone's like, oh yeah, no offered me 500 bucks to post this here. And I'm like, this guy knows what he's doing, man. You know, that that strategy, we still, to be clear, and that's something everyone go, well, don't compete with us, but copy it in your respective areas. But that's, we still do that day. It's the pre-fluencer strategy. And so we do it at AppSumo. We have a team of five now dedicated to video ambassadors. And so the idea is we go out, we give them a flat fee and then a percent of their sales. And ideally, you don't want to go to people like, you know, I have a million subs on YouTube and I have a relatively sizable audience. Don't go to me. Go to the person whose audience is like hyper engaged on a really tight subject. And even if you want to be even more creative, go to different languages. So we have people crushing it in Spanish, crushing it in Portuguese. And it's like when we want to do things now, we have like 100. And then by next year, maybe 1,000 people that can be doing this. And we did the same thing with Sumo.com. I did the same thing at Mint.com. We did the same thing with AppSumo.com. I mean... That strategy works because when you're going to Facebook or Google ads, you're paying market rate and you want to figure out how to not pay market rate. So a lot of these smaller people have much more affordable pricing for, for very unique and great promotion to the right audience. So I want to talk about AppSumo a little more. I want to talk about YouTube. I want to talk about your book. So for folks who are listening or watching Million Dollar Weekend, it's mdwbook.com. That'll take you to, that's currently taking you to the Amazon page. Is that what it's going to do? Yeah, we, we did buy. So by the time this episode comes out, you can go to milliondollarweekend.com and take the 48-hour challenge to change your life. We, we'll, we'll get into that. We'll yeah, into yeah it. we'll do it. 
We're, we're talking about AppSumo. So I want to find out because from the outside, I, I remember when you started it. I remember you did your first bundle back when you were doing bundles. And like 20% of the deals came from micropreneur.com, a referral link in a forum. And so you reached out to me. We did a phone call. I remember I was standing on my out by my swimming pool, 2010, 9, 10. It had to have been around then. And you were like, dude, what is Micropreneur? It's a precursor to what MicroConf is today. But I was like, who is this guy? And you're like, I was employee number 30 at Facebook. I'm doing these deals. And it was just this crazy serendipity, right, to be able to, to meet each other like that. But then AppSumo took off. You went to, I know you went from bundles, you know, to individual daily deals and you have the whole thing going now. You grew it. You put a CEO in charge and you moved on to other things. And then you came back as CEO, right? You're C- are you CEO of it today? Yeah, I'm CEO. Okay. Tell me about that, maybe that interim, or what, what's, what's the story there? Like you stepped away from it, were you bored? Did you want to do other things? And then why did you come back? So we all get bored of success, not success, we get bored of what's working because it's not exciting. I remember telling my business partner, I said, Chad, how is it that you like to do all the things that are boring and I like all the novel stuff. I like starting new businesses. He's like, everyone likes starting new things, Noah. It's not just you. (laughs) And I do believe it's a superpower for consistency. Now that I'm 41, if you can stay consistent and keep doing what's working, you will be successful, period. And it's so easy to get distracted. It's just so easy. Even yesterday on our YouTube team, there's a guy, Dylan, who just started. He's like, hey, we should try this like new thing. And I was like, what's our goal? Don't get distracted. We, we lost $1,000 on this thing. And I was like, just, it's a $1,000 lesson. Let's stay focused. And with AppSumo.com, I got bored because I, I didn't want to keep doing, I felt like a, I remember at the time, I felt like a used car salesman. I've got a deal, it's a car, you got a good price. But it was just more, I was bored. And that's something to, to work on, like how to find something that you don't get bored with, like, like your wives or husbands. And there's something interesting in that about how do we, what areas are we not getting bored at and how do I replicate that in my business, which is what I get to do today. And we brought on Eamon and we said, Eamon, and I'll give a little context there. We said, Eamon, make $120,000 a month revenue and don't f*** up. That's all you have to do here. Don't do anything creative. And a lot of people have asked, like, how did you find an Eamon, which is the you know, CEO for your business? This is the big point. One, we spent a year recruiting. And then we spent 18 months training. That's literally the main part. People are like, oh, you got to, it's like, how much time are you putting into it? And the, the way that most businesses, whether you're a team of one or a team of 10 or, you know, I'm assuming it's a team of 100, how does your bench look? So if you look at professional sports teams, they all have benches and they all have minor leagues or colleges. And so what does that look like in your own business and is it being developed or not? And so at AppSumo, I'm, I'm kind of pretty regularly thinking like, who's, who's the CEO of these different departments? Who's the CEO? And who, who's going to just take it? Not give him permission, just I can see who's taking it. And so Eamon took over and then we started Sumo Me, which became Sumo.com. And over the years, we grew it while Eamon... For the first two years, he just did the exact same thing. It was a few deals a month to make 120000 And then when Sumo.com actually broke even, we're like, Eamon, you can do whatever you want now. We don't have to worry about that money. And then he was able to do a few things that I can talk about that was really able to help get AppSumo to where we are today. During that time period, though, my partner took over Sumo, Eamon took AppSumo, and I kind of just was like, oh, I guess I'm going to... I was making 2 to $3 million a year. I'm just going to do a podcast, and then I'm going to build some little side projects like sendfox.com, kingsumo.com at a charity bike ride. But this is probably the most shocking part for, for others. And it's, it's interesting. It was the most unsatisfying three years of my life. And I didn't want to come back to work because I, I don't know, it was just like, I wasn't challenged. It wasn't hard. It was nice little projects. And, the, and there was a big takeaway that, that I'll, I'll share in a moment. But I just felt like lost. 
And that's not a boohoo, by the way. If someone's like getting rich complaining about it, tell them to shut the hell up. I'm like, okay, well, why don't you, it's better to be rich and complain than be poor and complain. And so at least everyone should get to that opportunity. That, that is literally what Million Dollar Weekend is about. It's like, you can create that for yourself. And not the complaining part, but the, the being rich part. But the, the most fascinating thing was, so Eamon's running the business. Everything's pretty good. I'm doing these like little tiny of like dabbles, let's call them. And Sumo.com is floundering. So we, we folded that team back into AppSumo and doubled down on what was working, which was AppSumo. And Eamon called me one day. I'm on a bike ride across America and he quit. And my reaction was like, hey, do you mind waiting until I get back from my bike ride to quit? <laughs> and um, I think this is a cheat code in all startups. Like, who's your, who do you call? Who's your advisors? Like, can you call Rob Walling? Can you call Noah Kagan? Can you call, like, I have Andrew Chen. We have Moody Glasgow. I have this guy, Roger Tish Mukherjee from, he's the CEO of Indeed. Like, we have, you know, elite advisors that you could actually pay $1,000 an hour or a little more and get access to 10,000 hour people. That's like such a super, a super cheat code that people don't use enough. So I called Andrew and I called my buddy Adam from mybodytutor.com. And Adam was like, who's paying for the, the bike trip you're on? I'm like, well, AppSumo. And he's like, well, you should probably take care of your business and not go on a bike trip then. So I sent the bike home and flew home the next day from, uh, from my bike ride. And then I tried to find another CEO. And ultimately, I was like, okay, I, I guess I'm, and, and this is what we were chatting a little bit before the show. I'm really just afraid. I'm afraid of who I can become. I'm afraid of, that I can actually do it. And there's a really powerful thing for all of us is like, what's the hardest thing we're avoiding today in our lives? And for me, I didn't want to fuck up the business and I thought only Eamon can do it. And I thought, you know, I got fired early in my career and that's been a big part of my story. It's like, these guys are better than me. There's no way I can do it either. And I just had so much fear around it. And then I was like, okay, well, at least I need to go do the hardest thing possible. And, and it's been number one best business decision I've ever done. To come back as CEO. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. And it's also been the hardest there's definitely a lot of days where I'm like, I am quitting this thing. But it's also, it, it, the hardest thing tends to be the thing you're most proud of and the most rewarding. And I, and I think everyone can, can reflect on that. You know, like when you had that moment where you're like, oh, this is tough and I'm putting in a lot of work, but you're also the most proud of those experiences. And, you know, everything I was doing before that, those three years when I was kind of retired of sorts, I just wasn't committing. I was just kind of like, all right, let me just dabble. And I think that's just such a good thing. Like, what's the hard thing? Go commit to it. And you, it ends up turning out to be almost all the time a good thing. You don't regret those moments of working hard. And uh, it's been three years, and I've definitely made a lot of mistakes, <laughs> a lot of mistakes uh, in that time period. And where were, and the business is doing eighty million a year now, which is incredible. Where was it at when you took it over? It was doing more. <laughs> was it really? Oh my gosh! <laughs> so oh, I know, I know. You wanted some hero story I did. where like I Noah Kagan came yep. and saved the business. Yeah, you know. Let me caveat that. So in terms of our, there's, and this is something that whenever you're hearing people, you really got to understand what the actual numbers are. So there's gross sales, which is what I'm sharing. And then there's net revenue, which is your refunds and credits or whatever have you. Then you have net revenue and you got to be mind, mindful. Okay, net revenue. What is gross profit around these numbers? Then what is your net operating margin, net operating income around that net revenue? And so what was interesting is we had such a COVID bump we had such a fat COVID bump. It was great. People wanted to work online. People wanted to save money. And so it really was an advantage to us that came back down. And then I made the mistake thinking that I'm super smart, which I'm, I think I'm bright, but I made another mistake where I didn't listen to the customers again. So we strategically said, let's not just do deals. Let's have a marketplace of products. So there's a, I, I ran really fast in the wrong direction. I think we can all, you know how that goes. It's like, oh, this is a great idea. I know it's going to work. And a lot of these problems can be solved coming back to 
basic principles of one AppSumo model motto is test and invest. That is an app. We have an AppSumo playbook, and that's one of our core principles, which is like, did you test it before you invested it? And when we break that, I'm like, oh, this marketplace where we go from 600 products to 13,000 is definitely going to work. It didn't. And then we invest, we went from 15% margin to around 2% margin of the business. Wow. Yeah. What happened? Hiring? Yeah. We spent a million to do promotion on Black uh, for the marketplace. Our teammate costs per month, we call them teammates, not employees. Today, it's about 1.2 million a month. I think we got it up to two and a half, three million. So it was definitely not following some of the principles of test and invest and then double down, which is like a part of our AppSumo playbook. And this year, though, we've definitely uh, gotten back up to, I think, around 12% margin, reduced a lot of the distractions that I was doing, and then just focused on the core of the business, what, what our customers want. And again, I, I talk to customers and partners every month, and they were all saying, hey, we don't want this marketplace. We just want, like, you choose the best deals possible of the latest tools for us, for solopreneurs. And I think that's just such a core thing for all business. Like, who's your customer? What do they really want? And how do you just keep serving that and really understanding what they want? And you could test it. Can you test it with like this weekend? Can you test it with a little bit of money? Can you test it with like not having to spend a bunch? Uh, and that's possible. So it's definitely been a, it's been a fascinating experience and hard experience over these three years. I bet. And is it, is that where it stands today? Is like the core driver of AppSumo revenue and profit is these weekly deals? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Back to the roots. It's insane. I mean, I, I will say one of the key things for, for the key takeaway for others out there, and I talk about it million dollar weekend is just market selection. Are you in a million dollar market? Are you in a thousand dollar market? Are you in a billion dollar market? And it was lucky, I would say that we chose software 13 years ago. And the amount of software that got gotten created went from my first year, there's probably 20 projects to, to choose from 20 businesses to now there's 10,000 different software products. And so market selection is almost one of the most important things, like how many people are, how many people are there and, and are they willing to spend? And so we have other business units now. We have the originals, which is basically affordable alternatives to popular software. So MailChimp, we have SendFox, uh, Calendly, we have TidyCal.com. So you have your Kirkland. These are your Kirkland brands, right? Your, your house We call brands. them yeah. originals, yeah. So we, we think of it as, and it's our number one way of getting new customers in the AppSumo ecosystem, number one is our originals team. So that's a real big takeaway for others out there. Do you have some way to get the ideal customer into your product through something free? Maybe it's through templates, PDFs, courses, whatever, or a paid product. And so ours is TidyCal, which brings in, I think it's around almost 25% of all new buyers come through TidyCal into the AppSumo ecosystem. It's crazy. Which is amazing, yeah. And yeah. a lot of our business now, the amount of sophistication is, is really interesting, like pricing sophistication, business intelligence sophistication, timing of deals, the structure of how like we negotiate maybe rev share so our partners get more as they do better. There's a lot of things that have compounded that we just were kind of ignorant and, you know, just learning and improving over the past three years. And so you're CEO of AppSumo for the past three years, and you have this YouTube channel that you, I've kind of watched it because MicroConf similarly has doubled down on our YouTube channel and we're not at a million, a lot of but people. we, yeah, at, we started in during COVID. We had, we, what's trip is we announced in 2019, we were going to do a lot more digital stuff because before that we were really an in-person event. And so we said, we're going to do online, we're going to have a video vault. And we wound up launching it right as COVID happened, not because of COVID, it was already on the schedule. And we grew, it took us about a year to get to 10,000 subscribers. And then we kind of unlocked some 
some stuff, some some secret sauce, if you will. And and the next eighteen months took us to about we're at seventy thousand subscribers as of as of yesterday, which is which is good. Like, Congrats, thank dude. you. It, it feels it's a lot of people. It really it is, and our space is not nearly as big as yours, you know, because we are like SaaS. We're indie hackers and SaaS, and so the the this market itself is a lot smaller. But it feels really good to have that reach. But I've watched you do something similar, although at a different scale, you know, add a zero basically <laughs> to, to the numbers I just said. And I sat, I watched you experiment with different video types. And then some, some would get more views. And then you went all in on, you know, where you follow people onto their jets and you go to the neighborhoods and ask them how, <laughs> how they became billionaires and all this. And you're flying all over the place in a, in a kind of a, I'll say like a Mr. Beast way in a way that like it feels very tightly produced and very deliberate. Right, like very intelligently thought through on how to optimize it. Yeah, but I'm. I guess I kind of have two questions around this. Why did you decide to do that on YouTube as opposed to some other medium? So you know, there's social media and there's podcasts and all this stuff. And did that coincide with you coming back as CEO of AppSumo? Like, were those two decisions made in tandem, or were they not coupled? And it's just coincidence that they kind of both happened at the same time. Yeah, and and one one thing I want to take a step back on for everyone out there is all of AppSumo started with me and $50 in a weekend. And the YouTube channel started the same. It was me shirtless, which you can see the video, in my 800-square-foot house where the, the it's falling down, literally. And I just started with my phone and I just uploaded the video. And the, the reason I'm saying that is, like, from Million Dollar Weekend, the number one thing that people take away is this mindset of now, not how. Don't worry about the lighting. Don't worry. Like, I'm in a $20,000 studio in my house now. But I started with my phone that everyone has. Everyone has the same exact phone as me. And they can just record it. And you get going. And over time now, you know, AppSumo has 100 people and we have two people dedicated to business intelligence. Like we have different pricing stuff that's going on all the time. We have an email team of uh, maybe it's five people that is testing so many different things in email. But that just started 50 bucks in a weekend and got going. And you keep going with it and you keep improving it. And that's the part that you have to get started right now with YouTube or whatever it is to get to those points. I think people want to just figure out the ending. And it's like, yeah, that's only going to get there if you get going. Like you can't cook if you're not in the kitchen. And so I think that's just such an important thing for anyone out there, whether it's a SaaS business, which me and you have done a lot of, or whether it's a content business or, or whatnot. So I think the key thing around the YouTube content, similar to AppSumo, is what's the thing that's working? And how are you doing more of it? And so for AppSumo, it was saying, okay, what's the co- we, we analyze what product categories and we have an algorithm around what products our customers are excited about. And then we, the business development team goes and gets a lot more of those. And so with the YouTube channel, I commit to, it's called the law of 100, which is do 100 of it and then quit. <laughs> or make the decision to quit because we, we quit too soon. I quit my podcast. I've restarted it and I'm, I've stuck with it, but I quit it a, too soon. I quit it around 30 to 50 episodes. If I just would have got to the 100, I mean, I would be at really high numbers. And so if whatever you're doing, 100 sales, 100 days, 100 videos, 100 show, uh, emails, whatever it is, just commit to 100 of them. And then you can make a more informed decision and you can keep improving along the way. You can improve your cameras. You can improve the lighting. You can improve your scripts. You can improve your thumbnails. You can improve these different parts of your business. Now, I tried growing all the different social channels. So when it happened, I tried YouTube and then Instagram and I hate TikTok, so I don't really do any TikTok, uh, LinkedIn, Twitter, and blog. And... All these channels can work, to be clear, a podcast as well. All of them can work, but what I recognize is like, who's the customer I actually like? What channel do I have maybe some advantage in and which one has the opportunity? Because I want to have, have an unfair advantage. I don't want to compete fairly. 
<laughs> it's just not. Of course not. Yeah, I want to win where not others are, are winning, and it's easier for me to win. And so as I noticed, it was just, I can't do all six and win. I can do one and win. So I told the team, we're not doing anything but YouTube. And the reason I did that is I was trying all of them, and I saw, okay, we're doing this much work, and here's the reward, meaning views or, or whatnot. And I enjoyed making content there. And so that, that's what I'd recommend for others. Like, it could be podcasts. I tried podcasts growing it for years. It was really hard. Like, there's just only, and now with YouTube and shorts, you can grow a podcast in a different way. But it's, it was, it's still challenging. There's only so much podcast time. And then Twitter, the audience isn't growing. And LinkedIn, it's very competitive with all these different agency people. And Instagram, I don't take photos. And I don't do TikTok. And blogging, I think that amount of search and traffic is going declining. All right. Kind of leaves like a site that gets, what, a billion people a month? And it's, it, is, it is a little harder as you get to higher levels of video. I mean, we're spending on per video, I don't know, maybe 30000 If you look at salaries and editing and thumbnail designer and consultants and all this different travel stuff, and I can talk about that. But in terms of that, it was just basically doing that analysis. And, and I will say we did f- uh, three videos a week for 50 weeks, and almost none of them were really getting views. And so the point for everyone, besides the law of 100, is find something you just, even if it's not working great, you're still satisfied. I was still having fun. I was like, even if I'm, this is not getting an insane result, I'm still having fun. And then we, we were basically desperate. We're like, hey, we're not really growing. Why don't we just try something 180? And so we tried a video. We, we saw it on uh, Instagram or somewhere where a guy went to someone's door and we're like, what if we made a whole video? Because we were always curious what people, rich people did in these houses. So I was like, I'll just go knock on their doors and ask what they do for a living. And that video, uh, it took, it's crazy because it takes four, it took two full days of filming to get 10 minutes of content. It's so interesting because people are like, oh, you just go knock on a door. And dude, most people reject. Most people say, yep. like, what are you doing? Aren't at home. Yeah. They're yeah. like, please get the hell out of my house. I would. I'm like paranoid about people coming to my house. Mm-hmm. Uh, that video through some desperation, frankly, uh, because we ways I operate AppSumo, the ways I operate my book, the ways I'm operating uh, our YouTube channels, we have one goal. And so we had we were at 170,000 subs and we wanted to get to 250 and we had about 40 days left. And so we just had to do something more extreme to see if we could get it to work. And that video got it to a million views. And then you, you'll see that almost double down. This is you know another AppSumo motto. I think people, these ones people know, but no one does. No one actually does it the way we do. Very few do. They do something that works and then they go do new things. And this is part of Eamon's, you know, I would say influence with me, which was like, this is working double down. And not just once, but until it stops working. So now there's a lot more people copying or like going on the streets, asking rich people or knocking on doors. So we're, we're shifting and I can talk more about that. But you can see the channel. Like it was like jets, yachts, first class passengers, streets of New York, streets of Monaco, streets of Switzerland, streets of Austin. Oy vey. But it was working. And so it was, it was doing a lot more of that. And I think that's a really core part of any business. And, and whenever I meet entrepreneurs that maybe their business isn't growing fast or they're asking how to grow it. I'm like, how did you get your last customer? How'd you get your first customers? Are you, how much of that are you doing? They're like, oh yeah, I'm not really doing as much of it. Just do that. So that, that's been really the, the growth strategy content-wise. And, and so we basically just found two types of content that works, like these asking super rich people or interviewing older billionaires, frankly, and asking their regrets. And so lately, it's, it's really just doubling down on, on that content. And does the YouTube channel feed it? Like, what's the end goal of that? Because it's not, you know, I, I see how many, you know, we have 70,000 subscribers and our most popular videos maybe has 150,000 views. And I see, nice, I see, yeah, no, thanks. I, again, add a zero to those numbers if you're listening and, and that's what Noah has. But I see the, the 
payments from YouTube and we don't even break even on our production costs. So I know you're not doing it for that. So we're not breaking it, yeah, even. There's no, no chance, but what is, is the feedback into AppSumo? Like, is that the... So there are businesses, we're fortunate. I think a lot of YouTube, similar to you, and that a lot of YouTubers that create have to have a course and then they have to sell these other things. But we have a business app, Sumo, that's our sponsor really for the channel. And we don't do a good job integrating at the end of the day. I do think that most businesses should have some per, like presence. And I think most people connect with a person, not a brand. Like if you think about Nike, Nike is not popular because of swoosh or their shoes are really that great. It's, you connect with it because it's Tiger or LeBron or whoever the, the person is. And so... I do think we've surveyed and, and around 30% of people that buy it up soon know who I am. They're like, oh, I think I've seen your videos or I've seen the stuff. And what we started doing this year and what we're going to get better at is do, I'm like an affiliate of AppSumo. And so I have tracking on, on my content. And so how do we do things that drive either new signups or awareness or direct sales into AppSumo? But yes, it's not, it's not well integrated uh, in our business. I, Not yet, but you don't, you can get there. Well, I think you people, can, you seeing, build the audience and you can do yeah, it. Yeah. People seeing AppSumo logo, seeing me wear AppSumo clothing. I think our business, not I think our business is very direct marketing ROI based. So like how much are we spending and then how much are we making back within six months or less and everything. And we spend about a half a million dollars a month around that and it's all profitable. The problem with that is that it doesn't expose our brand. So moving to 2024, one of our core strategies is brand awareness. So how do we get people who are solopreneurs or curiepreneurs or entrepreneurs and getting them like, yeah, I kind of need some help with tools or some maybe education around getting my business going. I'm going to go to Rob. And then, you know, maybe I'll check out AppSumo and see what tools they have available. Well, I want to I wanna get to your book because we're kind of wrapping up on time. So milliondollarweekend.com. The book is Million Dollar Weekend. And you cover a ton of topics getting better at rejection. It's all about being an entrepreneur, right? It's about starting a company, as you say, a million-dollar company in a weekend. Idea generation, growth playbook, lifestyle design. You even have a section about managing your calendar to be more productive. Folks can obviously check that out if they want to dive into those topics. What I'm curious to hear about you is a little more of a meta question because I've written three books and plus an ebook, and I'm working on a f fourth, in essence, with my, my wife about selling companies. Why, why a book now? You know, you've been an entrepreneur for so long. People have known your name. Why do it? Because writing a book is a pain in the ass. I don't know if people... Dude, it's so Brutal, hard. huh? And there's no feedback loop. You do a YouTube video and it goes live in a few weeks. You write a book, it's in two years, man. It's like, what is happening? It was three years. I uh, know. And um, people buy books, people don't read books. <laughs> and like selling a book, like right now I'm, I'm personally messaging Facebook people. So a lot of, um, I'm posting, like, we built a launch team. And, and I do think one of the things I've done well with AppSumo and YouTube, I reply to people one-on-one. -on -one. And that's something I talk about in the book and something I still do in all of my businesses, which is, like, most businesses actually comprised of individuals, customers, like Ruben, one of our mutual friends from Biz, BidSketch. I don't know what his new thing is called. Signwell. Signwell, yeah. Ruben was one of the first AppSumo customers. 13 years later, I, I DM him, like, how's the fam? Mm-hmm. And I think we disconnect some of that. And that, that's been a, a part of the book where I posted, hey, I'm building a launch team. Is anyone interested? And then I DM every single person who said yes, ask them to buy the book, and I have them join our launch team. And it's individual. And that's missed out on. Now, in terms of the, the book itself, it's about 15 years ago, I thought of writing a book on a bike ride. I was like, I, I, there's no book out there. I've never, I'm frustrated. I've never seen a book that can, I can give to my cousin. I can give to a friend, I can give to a reader, I can give to a customer of AppSumo that if you want to get a business going and change your life in 48 hours, which everyone has, everyone has a weekend, there's nothing that can do it. If there is, let me know. I wouldn't have written the book. It would have saved me a bunch of time. 
And I thought that was an interesting opportunity. And so that was 15 years ago, but I wanted to start more of my own businesses. I wanted to test it to see if it actually worked for others. And then I wanted to be at a place where I felt like I could really share the message with the best collaborators possible. It's easy to write a book. It's hard to write a great book. It's nearly impossible to get a book to change someone's life is what I'm noticing. And so I'm doing everything possible to stack the deck is, is the way I think about it in that this book will impact people to, to maybe they don't need to be a millionaire. I think everyone should be a millionaire. It's awesome. But maybe they want to be a grocery nair. Maybe they want enough grocery money for the weekend. Maybe they want to just turn their interest in woodworking into an actual business or they want to create a software product or SaaS business, but they're a little bit stuck. And what was crazy about entrepreneurship is there's an unlimited amount of content out there, but if it's so unlimited, how come others aren't succeeding in starting a business? That's the main thing that, that needs to get solved. And so the book starts off with fun and really overcoming the two giant things that hold everyone back from success in entrepreneurship, which is starting and asking and how to make those enjoyable so that people can overcome them in a fun way and then use that with strategy to then lead it to million dollar opportunities and getting businesses going in a very short period of time. And that's the USP of the book, right? Is that it is not just your take on entrepreneurship, but it is that very constrained timeline. And it's your approach that I've heard you talk about over the years about getting used to rejection, about seeking problems before, you know, people don't want solutions. They want, wait, what is it? They, they don't want software. They want a solution to their problem or something like that. Like they don't want another yeah, tool. No one cares about your yeah, idea. No, yeah, yeah, the idea. No one cares about your totally. idea. So I have this quote. I, when entrepreneurs come to me now, I say, don't tell me your idea. Tell me what problem it solves and for whom. Right. That's my new thing is I say that to everybody. And so it is right in line. What's funny, dude, is 15 years ago, I don't know that we would have thought this, but it's like as you progress, like we all kind of come up with these similar learnings. The rules of thumb are similar across SaaS, across entrepreneurship, across a jerky company that, you know, you talk about starting in a weekend as a challenge. Right. Well, even, you know, your audience is a lot of SaaS people. I'll just tell you openly. So the frustration I have today, I hate QuickBooks. I hate DocuSign. Shout out, you know, Signwell Rubin, you can check out him. But I, I also hate subscriptions. And I hate Loom. Well, I think Loom is cool, but it's like five videos and then you can't use it anymore. You have to pay. And I'm like, hmm. So what most people do now is that they'll consume more content. They'll wait on the sidelines. They'll do more research. And what you can actually do is find out within 48 hours, everyone has a weekend, whether if you have a family and kids like you, whether you're single, whether you're old, whatever that is, it's, it's non-exclusive to actually see if you can get that business started. And so, for instance, let's say you wanted to start uh, a signwell competitor, which we're evaluating. Shout out, Ruben. I love you, man. But I hate subscriptions, and I'm frustrated with DocuSign and doing PDF. So can we create something like that at AppSumo within a very short period of time? And the idea for everyone, if you want to do that, you could literally message people and say, hey, I'm building a software today. It's going to do this. Here's what to expect. Can you prepay me for a, an early version of it? And you could truly find out whether you can get customers for that or not. And then if you get customers, great, go build it. And if you can't, then you can try to understand in a conversation what problems they do have that they'd be excited to pay you for. That's the, the fun, frankly, and the, and the interesting challenge of entrepreneurship. Noah Kagan, thanks so much for joining me on the show, man. Folks want to keep up with you, youtube.com slash Noah Kagan, milliondollarweekend.com. Yeah, I think it's youtube.com. Just go to milliondollarweekend.com. We have a 48-hour challenge in there. There's a ton of resources. You can see my income streams, which a lot of people like to see. And there's just a lot of things to get going. People have so much fear, right? And you really can change your life in a short period of time without money. 
And, and that's the part that people are like, oh, maybe I can do these things. Same as me being a CEO. I was like, I don't know if I can actually do this. And the reality is we can. We just have to go get started. The dirty secret is most of us, a good chunk of the time, feel like we're in over our head and are scared. Yeah, it doesn't matter how successful or famous or, or rich you are. And I do believe, and I see it all the time still, that there's a lot of ordinary people doing really well. And the only difference between them and someone else is that they're starting. And through that iteration of posting the video, of seeing if they can get someone to buy, of doing a service, of maybe even using a WordPress plugin as their software provider, or using back-end AI stuff, ChatGPT, whatever that is, and then getting a customer, it's like, huh, what else can I take this? It's an awesome note to leave it on, man. Thanks again for joining me. Thanks again to Noah for joining me on the show. It's great to have you back this and every week. I'm really enjoying recording this podcast again. It's, it's so fun to be reinvigorated after taking time off over the holidays. And I'm approaching episode 700, hoping to cook up something special, or maybe it's just another episode and it happens to have two zeros at the end of the number. This is Rob Walling signing off from episode 698.